Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. It's me, Reverend Agent R. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it, so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you are going through right now. Today's show, my friends, is entitled, A Hard Habit to Break. A Hard Habit to Break. And we're talking about the topic of breaking our bad habits. Because we all have them, don't we? And look, let's keep it all to be real here. Breaking old habits is difficult, ain't it? You know, the pop group Chicago used to sing a song, which I love, called You're a Hard Habit to Break. You're a hard habit to break. Don't get me started. Anyway, now in this song, the lead singer, which is Peter Cetera, shout out to Peter Cetera, croons over the lost love of this certain woman. And in lamenting over the loss, he admits that he's addicted to her because she's, quote, a hard habit to break for him. Now, that particular type of habit, being obsessed with another person or another thing, that can be very harmful. But that type of obsessive behavior is typical of somebody who displays damaging, habitual behavior. So what do I mean by damaging, habitual behavior? Well, we're not talking about seemingly harmless habits, like leaving a cap off the toothpaste, no. In this context, We're talking about habits which are detrimental to your salvation, which are counterproductive to your walk with Christ. Now, these habits can come in many worldly forms. And many of us, many people that you know, we've already surrendered ourselves to them many times over, many days over. Habits like greed or acts of total self-gratification, it's all about me, or acts of lust, These are the ones which plague us and which most threaten our walk with Christ. Friends, much like my brother Peter Cetera, the Gentile members of the church at Ephesus would likely have been singing a similar tune to Chicago during the early days of the church because clearly they were experiencing habits which tempted their faith and their walk. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote them that letter. The epistle to Ephesus, or as we know it, the book of Ephesians, was written first and foremost as an encouraging letter to the church at Ephesus. Paul wrote it primarily to encourage Gentile or non-Jewish followers of Christ and to make it clear that Jews and Gentiles have been brought together as part of one body in Christ. Because of Christianity's strong roots, in Jewish history and religion, it was natural for early Christians to wonder if Christ's gospel was limited to Jews or if Jewish Christians held a special status because of their ethnicity, because of their ethnic heritage. So what Paul was doing with this letter was to clearly emphasize to his Gentile brothers and sisters that in God's kingdom, They are first-class citizens alongside their Jewish brethren. 
And that was important because remember, Paul was Jewish. So this is a Jewish person saying this to the Gentiles. Now, in outlining this sense of unity, though, Paul also gives focus to the notion that the entire church got to be aware of the moral laws that they either A, didn't know about, or B, were just flat out lazy or negligent in observing or following. And he reminds his audience that since they now belong to Christ, they must start living their lives differently. He reminds them that they need to distance themselves from immorality and strive for spiritual purity. Look at what he says in chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. That's going to be the basis for our discussion today. He says there, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Bless the reading of the Lord's word. Now, in fact, Paul's entire letter to the Ephesians was in a large part to help them break those habits that he just talked about. And really, by extension, us too. Because in those verses that we just read from Paul, Ephesians 4, 17 to 19, we are called to a new walk for a new life and to break old habits as difficult as that may seem. You can't walk a new way with old habits. You got to break the old habits. Okay, now to that point, Paul issues some very specific challenges for all those who are saved who call themselves followers of Christ. And these challenges teach us how we are to walk and how we are to be different from those who have not been saved. And so first, when we examine the text, it's clear that Paul's main directive to the church above anything else, we've got to say this first, is that they be different. And this is the core concept, friends. So what does that mean? That means they got to be set apart from the world. Jesus once said to his disciples that in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the word that Jesus used for church was the Greek word ekklesia, which literally translates as called out, separated ones. Now, just for some context, in ancient Greece, citizens would be called out of their homes into some public place for an assembly. That's the sensibility behind that word. And so in this context, it's an assembly of God's children who have been called out and adopted into the family of God. That's the church. That's us. Just look at Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So Paul is talking specifically and directly to those who have been set apart. In other words, those who are different and distinctive from the rest of the world. Because now that we're saved, we can't be like we used to be and therefore we can't be like the rest of the world. We are new creatures in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And as a result of this new birth, because we're not what we used to be, 
then we can no longer live like we used to live. We have to be different because we have been changed by this new birth. So we got to be different from the world around us. And Paul's challenge here is to mark the differences between the children of God and the children of Satan. And we are to mark those distinctions between the saved and the lost so that we know how to be different. And it's in this text of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 and 19, that we see Paul has noted three specific problems that plague the lost in our society today. Number one, there's a problem with their heads. Number two, there's a problem with their hearts. And number three, there's a problem with their hands. And so we're going to explore each of these three problems more in depth. And we're going to do that when we come back from the break. What's up, everybody? This is Rev Rob, and we are thrilled to announce that starting Wednesday, September 2nd, and every Wednesday thereafter at 4 p.m. Eastern, you can catch Benevolent Faith Ministries on the Now Television Network. There are three ways you can watch our new show called Walk in the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries. Number one, just go to thenownetwork.org, click on the menu option, and then click on watch every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Number two, go to Roku and search for the Now Network and tune in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Number three, you can text Now TV, that's N-O-W-T-V, to the number 54244, and you'll get a link that takes you directly to the Now Network site, and you can watch the show right from your mobile phone. We are so excited about our new show, and we can't wait for you to come join us. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we're a virtual church with a real heart for God. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about becoming a member, participating in our giving partnerships, and learning how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store. We love all of our platform, digital platform uh, supporters. We love y'all dearly. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org. That way you can send us your questions and your comments for the show. Like, what do y'all want to talk about? Y'all always hear me talk. What would you like for us to talk about on the show? Email us and let us know. And don't forget to join us live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and you create a screen nickname so you can chat along with us during the service. And don't forget to catch us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for our new show on the Now Television Network called Walk in the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries. Just go to thenownetwork.org and click on the watch button every week at 4 Eastern to join us. Amen? Today's show, my friends, is entitled A Hard Habit to Break. 
And we're exploring how our habits, particularly our bad habits, can prove to be spiritually unhealthy for us and why breaking ourselves of these habits is critical to an effective and victorious walk with Christ throughout our lives. And in our last segment, we outlined our need for breaking ourselves of our bad habits because of our mandate to be different than the rest of the world as believers in and followers of Christ. And we also said that in his letter to the Ephesians, and particularly as seen in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 19, which is our subject verse today, verses, Paul noted three specific areas where unbelievers have a problem with breaking their habits. And that was a problem with their heads, a problem with their hearts, and a problem with their hands. And we want to explore those three problems more in depth. So first, we see that there is a problem with their heads. And we see that in verse 17, okay? Paul says the lost, quote, walk in the futility of their minds. In some translations, it says the vanity of their minds, okay? But essentially, he's saying futility, meaning emptiness, that which is wasted on nothing. That's what that word means. The lost live empty lives because their minds are corrupted by the inborn sin that dwells within them. Remember, there's a problem with their heads. Their minds are corrupted by the indwelling sin, inborn sin, sin that we're all born into, that they never get rid of. So therefore, every thought they conceive is corrupted by evil. And friends, this is where detrimental habitual behavior is born. You see, the lost mind invents ways to serve the flesh or the selfish desires of the mind. The lost mind invents false gods, false religions, and ridiculous viewpoints and attitudes that are designed to highlight the quote-unquote brilliance of mankind. Everybody wants to show how smart they are to the point where people have gotten to the, where they want to show that they're even maybe smarter than God. That's what an atheist sometimes believe. And as many of you know, on this very show, we often chastise humanity for, for our arrogance. And this is one of those type of instances. But anything that the lost mind cooks up or concocts won't be helpful. And ultimately, the lost mind only leads to the damnation of the soul of that individual. And Proverbs 16.25 made this clear. There is a way that seems right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. <laughs> In other words, mankind always be like, yeah, we got this, we got this. But if it's not God's way, it's going to end up in death. Maybe not a physical death, but a spiritual death. Who knows? Maybe it's physical and spiritual death. This is God talking. And in another passage, Romans 1.28, Paul tells us that the lost possess a reprobate mind. This refers to a depraved mind. Okay? Look at the text. It says, furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And the Greek word used here for depraved, which is adokimos, A-D-O-K-I-M-O-S, pronounced adokimos, in its proper form was used to describe metals and coins 
which were tested and rejected by refiners because they were too impure. It literally translates as not standing the test or not approved, and its usage has come to mean useless and worthless. So, what Paul is saying here is that the unbeliever has a problem in his mind. Remember, it's a problem with their heads. Because his mind is depraved and it is capable of producing nothing but thoughts that are, quote, useless and worthless. That's the unbeliever's mind. Because we are saved, however, we are to be different than that. See? This is also why Paul instructs us as believers to daily put on the helmet of salvation. Because that's going to protect our minds as believers. Because through the helmet of salvation, as stated in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we can, quote, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that our minds are strictly on God and anything that comes up that tries to go against that, we reject it outright. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We know who God is. So we, we don't care what you're saying, trying to come up against what we already believe. That's why you put the helmet on. When we protect our minds through godly living, we alleviate any potential problems with our heads. So we don't have a head problem. So we've seen that there's a problem with their heads. Next, we see that there's a problem with their hearts. And that's in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Don't translations, instead of hardness, it says blindness, okay? In both cases, blindness, hardness, it refers to stubbornness. It speaks of a heart that's confronted with the truth, but which still refuses to embrace that truth. And this is what Paul refers to in Romans 1, verse 18, when he mentioned those, quote, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The word hold in that verse means to oppress. It speaks to those who hear the truth and they know the truth, but who still refuse to acknowledge and embrace the truth because they're stubborn. Because of the stubbornness of their hearts, they are separated from the life that could be theirs in Christ and they remain trapped in the darkness and the depravity of their condition. Notice how he said they are darkened in their understanding. And whether we like it or not, the lost are dead in trespasses and sins, which Paul emphatically states in Ephesians 2 verse 1. The human race did not merely get sick when Adam sinned, y'all. It pretty much died. Think about it. Look at Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. Our original na nature, nobody was deprived. We was all alive. And then he sinned. And technically, the whole race died right there. And a new way to become alive had to come into play. And for a long time, they instituted the sacrificial system of burning animals and all that. But then Jesus came. Hallelujah. But for the lost in that dead and deprived state, they live for nothing but to gratify the, to gratify the lust of the flesh and the mind. And Paul outlines all of this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The text says it. 
Their understanding is darkened, which is a phrase meaning that they live in a continuing state of spiritual darkness and ignorance toward the things of God. Therefore, since they're dead, they are unresponsive to the things of God. It's just like a cold, immobile corpse. A corpse can't see, hear, feel, or think anything. It's unresponsive when you talk to it. It's a corpse because it's dead. That's the imagery here. These people that don't follow Christ, they're dead because they are alienated from the life of God. They are unmoved by the truth. They are unfazed by matters of right and wrong. They love the dark, matter of fact, and they pursue the works of darkness. But because we're saved, we're supposed to be different. We're not dead to the truth. We love the truth. And we should be living it out daily. We're not dark to the world, but we walk in the light as he is in the light. Just like the Apostle John said in 1 John 1, 7. Y'all, we're not like them. They're dead. So we cannot act like them. This is why Paul instructs us to put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart. Remember, there's a problem with their hearts. The breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus at the cross, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.21. As we wear Christ's breastplate of righteousness, we begin to develop a purity of heart that translates into action. Meaning, we feel it internally, therefore we start acting like it. And wearing this breastplate creates a lifestyle of putting into practice what we believe in our hearts. Remember, he said there's a problem with their hearts. And as our lives become conformed more and more to Jesus, our choices are going to be more righteous. And that's going to protect us from further temptation and deception. Would that make sense? Look at Proverbs 8.20. I walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice. Psalm 23.3 says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Hallelujah to that. Now, having explored the problems of bad habits within people's minds and within their hearts, coming up in our last segment, we want to look at how these bad habits manifest themselves by the work of our hands. So let's do that when we come back from the break. My name is Christopher James McClendon. I am a professional Christian counselor. I am offering an eight-week Christian counseling group 100% online. During the eight weeks, I will personally walk you through my book, Seven Steps to Receiving God's Blessing. This group provides measurable results. I believe in faith and works. The Bible is God's word and science is God's works. Therefore, I integrate the two to help bring about healing in the lives of others. If following these seven steps motivated my recovery from permanent paralysis, imagine what it can do for you. Find out more by visiting stateanchor.org or call 678-723-6800. You can also follow me on Instagram at saltpc. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at mhihomeinspection.com. That's mhihomeinspection.com to learn more or to set up your home inspection appointment today. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business 
that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services for all size commercial businesses. Our services also include deep clean and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality of services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. What's up, everybody? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on to benevolentfaithministries.online.church. It'll take you directly to the worship session. Come chat with us before service or request prayer or join the church or however you want to get down. We are here for you. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, y'all. Just search for at Benevolent Faith Ministries and like our page to support us. You can also find us on YouTube. Just search for Benevolent Faith Ministries, and you can see replays of our Tuesday night Bible study sessions called Abiding in the Vine. And you'll also be able to catch replays of our church services. That's coming soon. Because again, we want y'all to come to church. So we don't want you to be like, oh, well, you know, I'll just watch the replay instead of coming. No, we want you to come fellowship with us. So we stagger how we put the services on YouTube. Amen. Also, don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. If you can't make the live call, you can call the prayer playback line. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can hear what you didn't miss. Amen. But today, today we're talking about a hard habit to break. And particularly, we're talking about the main areas of life which plague us and prevent us from ridding ourselves of bad, unhealthy habits both physical and spiritual in nature. And in our previous segments, we've examined the problem with our heads, the problem with our hearts, or particularly the problem with unbelievers' heads and with unbelievers' hearts. Because remember, we're supposed to be set apart. So this is not supposed to be applicable to us, okay? So we've talked about the problem with their heads and the problem with their hearts. And finally, and I'm done, y'all, let's talk about the problem with their hands. And we see that in verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, uh, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now that's the English standard version. In other versions, particularly King James, New King James, NIV, it says that the lost are dead. They are said to be past feeling. That phrase means literally that they have lost their sense of pain. Paul says in the ESV, they have become callous. That's what that means. They're past feeling. You ever had a callous on your foot? You step on that part. If you stick a pen in it or, or something sharp, if it's a bad callous on your foot or your hand, you're not going to feel that because that callous is so thick. That part of your skin is dead. It's past feeling. That's what Paul is saying here about the lost who don't know Christ. 
They have lost their sense of pain. And it's used in the sense of not being bothered in their conscience by the things that they do. Think of it like a leper who gets disfigured and loses their fingers or their toes or their other extremities. Or they lose the use of their hands because their ability, their ability to feel pain is taken away. Y'all ever heard of carpal tunnel syndrome? That's an affliction of the hands that's caused by pressure on the median nerve, which is located in your upper arm near the shoulder. And the carpal tunnel is a narrow passageway in your wrist surrounded by bones and ligaments on the palm side of your hand. And when the median nerve is compressed, the symptoms of carpal tunnel can include tingling and weakness in the hand and the arm, as well as numbness or sometimes even complete loss of feeling in that hand. Trust me, I'm speaking from experience on this one as someone who has worked with typing for the last 30 plus years. The point though, is that carpal tunnel is an affliction where you lose feeling in your hand. And this is what Paul is hinting at in this text. Just as carpal tunnel makes you lose feeling in your hand, these people, because they have come callous to the things of God, they are numb to the point where they don't even know that they've been hurt. To the point where their injuries worsen and end up destroying their lives because of their loss of sensitivity. If you got shot in the leg and didn't know it, and all of a sudden your legs start going numb, and you ignore it, you're probably gonna die. And that's what we're seeing. Their loss of sensitivity to the things of God has left them spiritually dead. And the lost sinner commits his life to evil as a result because he's spiritually dead. And as he does, he loses more and more of his sensitivity towards sin. And that leads to an ever deepening level of wickedness. It's a cycle. And so what they end up doing is giving their lives over to lasciviousness, which is wanton sensuality, being overly sexualized. Basically, they're so desensitized to sin that their attitude says, I'm going to do whatever I want, when I want, with, who, with whoever I want, and I don't care what you say or think about it. That is hyper insensitivity, and it's a life that's given over to open sin. And so the sinner works all uncleanliness as a result. The word work means to work hard, to take pains, to do your best, and uncleanliness speaks of impurity or rottenness. And so the idea here is that the lost person works hard at being a sinner and they actively give themselves to the pursuit of rottenness. Who wants to be like that? People like that do their best to be as bad as they can be on some Dennis Rodman type stuff, as bad as I want to be. And that sounds crazy, but isn't that an accurate description of the world right now? Think about it. All the lost people around us work themselves to death in their pursuit of pleasure. They never realize that their wickedness and their corruption ain't doing nothing but increasing their guilt in the eyes of God because they're past feeling and they don't care. And they do all of this with greediness. I'm writing the text, y'all. This simply means that the person does what they do for purposes of self-gratification. In other words, they're their own God and they live to worship themselves. They're not caring about the God in heaven. They only care about themselves. That type of worship, y'all, 
involves gratifying all your evil desires, all the evil desires of the flesh, and all the evil desires of the mind. It's people who get in corporate world and say, oh, power is the only thing that's necessary. It don't matter who you're stepping on on the way up as long as you're not coming back down. Trust me, it matters, bro. Okay? But that's what these people think like. They do everything for their own benefit. That's how the laws live, y'all. But we are supposed to be different. So we got to break them habits that we see the laws doing and not practice them ourselves. Even if, especially if we used to practice them. So let me ask y'all this as I close. I want y'all to ask yourselves these hard questions. How you doing in the business of being different? in the business of looking different from the world and being decisive about it. How you doing? Can you honestly say that as a follower of Christ, you're living a life that's different from the world around you? Do people look at you and go, wow, you're really different. You know, you're not like everybody else. Or do they come to you with all the drama because you revel in the drama? Are you trying to be set apart and different? Or are you being caught up just like they are? Can you honestly say that your life displays Jesus Christ to the world? When they look at you, do they see Christ or do they see the world? That's a hard question, y'all. And we really need to think hard about that. Because it's critical. I mean, if you're like me and you need help with your mind, then the place to find that is in the Lord. If you're like me and you need help putting off the old man and keeping on the new man, then you need to turn to the Lord because that's the only place you're going to find that. If it's dawned on you that you're lost and you're trapped in darkness out there, in deadness, in depravity of your sins, the only place to find that help is the Lord, y'all. There ain't a person listening to this right now who does not need to talk to the Lord about the truth contained in this passage of Scripture. And I encourage you all to do that today, friends. Seek the face of God as you undertake changing those hard habits to break. Amen? Listen, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts and the iTunes Store. Also, don't forget, you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on now and find out more about how you can become part of our giving partnerships. And don't forget... Listen every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our online church services live. I love saying that. At bedevilinfaithministries.online.church. We appreciate y'all and we love y'all. We'll catch y'all next time. Holla.